Listener Production. Please leave your message after the tone. Why am I jealous of my ex? I am so stressed all the time. How do I get into a routine? Is TikTok making me anxious? I think I'm being manipulated. Someone told me you could live with half a brain. This is Do You Fucking Mind? Mindset Hacks for a Badass Life. Hosted by me, Alexis Fernandez. Hello, my beautiful beans, and welcome to the episode of today. So today's episode is all about how to make the best of the rest of the year. And I actually, for the first time in a long time, I feel like I've actually followed through with something that I committed to, because if you guys have been listening to me for a while, you'll know the pattern that is where I'm like, hey, guys, I'm so pumped about this topic. I'm actually going to do another episode that's really similar to this around this topic next week. And then that doesn't happen. And that second version of the episode ends up coming out months later because I just get distracted. I get really excited as the week progresses. I think of a different topic that I'm really passionate about doing and then it just doesn't happen. However, this time I'm actually following through because a week ago I said I was going to do this. And this episode is being released on the 1st of December. So if you're listening to it on the 1st or around the 1st, It's perfect because it's literally the final month of the year and I want it to really be based around how to feel like you have milked the year. I don't want you to look at this month being like, well, mm, the year's kind of over. I might as well just not really start anything new or try anything different or, you know, embark on any new goals or decisions until the next year rolls around. It's kind of like it's giving this whole, oh, I'll wait till Monday, but I'll wait till next year. So you don't want to write off the last 30 days or 31 days of the year. And instead, I want to get you in the headspace that I've been able to get into. I want to say like the last maybe three years specifically. I've been kind of doing it for a lot longer than that, but really honing in in the last three years where when I reach the end of the year, I use this month to kind of not only wrap up and reflect and learn about the last part of the year, but gear myself up for the next year and also already put things into action now. There is a lot that you can be doing in the final month of the year, no matter how busy you are, no, ha- no matter how many Christmas parties you've got to go to, no matter how much alcohol you think you're going to consume, no matter all of the above, how much time you're taking off, there's a lot that can be done in this final month that makes you feel like you are hitting the ground running when the year begins, okay? So that's the topic of today's episode. I'm not going to go into a life update. All is well and dandy. If you guys like dogs, I'll just give you a Habib update. My dog, Habib, or Habibi is his official name. He is like this giant baby, okay? I've adopted him from the RSPCA when he was eight weeks old. He weighed like four kilos and now he weighs like 37 kilos. Bless his soul. And he is... I had to take him to the vet this morning for a vaccination and he's always had a vaccination, always like, well, the only, you know, how, how many vaccines can you have in one year for a dog? But every time he has had an injection, he's been relatively fine. I take him in and he's like squealing, crying, having a meltdown. I'm like, the fuck is happening? He's such a baby. And the vet's like, I'm going to take him to another room without you. She took him to the other room and he literally nothing, nothing. He sat there quietly. She gave him some treats. He copped it like a champion and then came back into the room and she was like, it's you. It's, it's the, being around you and getting the injection. And then this is what broke my heart. Apparently when, when dogs get really G'd up at the vet and get all defensive, it's because he was in pain with the needle and he thought, 
So cute. He thought that the vet was then going to stab me with a needle. That's what the vet said. She's like, he thinks that you're going to get hurt. So then he starts getting really protective. Bless his heart. Love that dog so much. I just can't even explain it. Anyway, so that's my life update, more of a Habib update. Anyway, we're going to get into a brain fact. And I apologize in advance if you are squeamish, but this is a really interesting brain fact. And yeah, anyway, so brace yourself. And if you don't want to listen, just fast forward five, 10 minutes. I don't know how long it's going to go for. But the brain fact is revolves around a story that came out a few months ago about a parasite that was found inside a woman's brain, a live parasite found inside an alive woman's brain, right? So we're going to be talking about what the fuck and how the fuck that happens and different ways that parasites can enter the brain. So like I said, if you're squeamish, abort now. Basically, I have heard about this. I think it was all, at least in Australia, it was kind of all over the news. But this news article came out where this parasite was discovered in this woman's brain. And this was like a legitimate eight centimeter, which is like three inches worm in her brain. And the, the woman had presented to doctors saying she was experiencing like night sweats, forgetfulness, depression, stomach pains, all these symptoms, which are kind of symptoms of specific like parasite infections. And they scanned her brain and they found a lesion like like a cut basically, in the frontal lobe portion of her brain. So it's like the the part of the brain right behind your forehead, which is, you know, in charge of a lot of aspects of your personality, but also like executive function and things like that. Anyway, they went in to operate because they were like, there's this lesion here, which a lesion can be caused by so many different things. So they went in to operate and then they only noticed this fucking worm slash parasite during the surgery. And the surgeon said, like the surgeon pulled it out and said that it was still like moving as they pulled it out of the brain. And it was supposedly like chilling alive inside this woman's brain for up to two months. So that's hectic. But what exactly is it? So this specific parasite that they found uh, is called, okay, I'm going to butcher this, but let's just give it a red hot shot. It's called, oh my God, it's called Ophidarscaris robertsi. Wow, that's probably wrong. Roundworm, okay? And this little guy is really common in carpet pythons and doctors reckon that she might have made initial contact with the parasite by collecting like grass or plants near this lake where she lived or she lived near a lake, and she must have ingested the eggs of this parasite when she was cooking these plants. So it was obviously contaminated with snake feces and parasite eggs, and she would have ingested it somehow. That's their belief. So that's that. But how does this parasite, or any parasite for that matter, make its way to the human brain? Because we don't know exactly how this specific individual worm in this news story made it up there, but You know, the doctors believe it was ingestion, but here I'm going to go through five different ways that parasites can enter the brain or go through the blood-brain barrier because while this is the first time, like this news story was the first documented case of this particular parasite in the human brain, there's all these other kinds of parasites that can make it to the human brain that have been documented before. So let's go through the five ways. Number one, like we thought in this case, or like doctors think in this case, ingestion. So something is eaten containing the larvae, like the parasite eggs, and somehow the larvae migrates, just casually migrates to the brain. And this normally happens with undercooked food or contaminated food or water, which leads to an infection in the brain if the parasite gets there. 
Then we've got something else, which is called, the second one is called direct invasion, which I would imagine is quite rare, where somehow the parasite will directly invade the brain after an injury or like to the head, obviously, or after the protective barriers in the brain have been damaged or compromised. Okay. So this happens with several parasites, apparently. The next one is migration through nerves. So some of these guys like to travel along nerves to get to the brain. And one in particular is called the Naglaria fowleri amoeba. And this enters the brain through the nose, right? The fucking nose. And then it gets into the brain, which causes a severe infection, which is called primary amoebic meningocephalitis. So it's rare, which is good to know, um, but can happen nonetheless. The next one is hematogenous spread which, as the name suggests, hema, blood, it gets to the brain via the bloodstream. And this can happen by, you know, there's an infection in a different part of the body that's infected with this parasite. And then this parasite circulates through the bloodstream, through the body, and ends up in the brain. And an example of this is something called the Toxoplasma gondii parasite. And it enters the brain through the bloodstream, which causes something called toxoplasmosis which can actually be treated, by the way. And lastly, we've got something called insect vectors. So that to me is not acceptable. I fucking hate that name. That makes me squirm. But anyway, insect vectors. Um, Pressing on, these parasites are transmitted via insect vectors. They can happen when you are bitten by a mozzie, so mosquito, flies or fleas or other insects as well. And it enters the blood It crosses the blood-brain barrier and then causes an infection in the brain. So this is when these little fucking insects decide to just put the eggs of the parasite in your body without your consent. (sighs) Anyway, so there you have it. That's the five ways of how a parasite can enter the body and then, of course, get to your brain. Now, it's important that I mentioned this is actually very rare. Brain infections caused by parasites are rare. Very rare. And even when it does occur, it can be treated in a lot of cases. So dying from a brain parasite would be extremely rare. But of course, no one wants a brain parasite. So there are things you can do to lower the chances of it happening to you. That is general hygiene, number one. Always washing your veggies very, very well. Make sure you're consuming clean food and water. And don't casually make contact with snake feces if you can avoid it as this is going to reduce the chances of you ingesting roundworm eggs. Ta-da! That is the fun fact of the day. Stay vigilant, children. Okay, now it's time to get into the episode topic of the day. All right, so like I said, we're going to be talking about what December could look like for you, how to make the rest of the year the best of the year. That's pretty much the aim of this episode. Now, like I said, what generally happens is you kind of feel like, fuck it, it's the end of the year, wait till next year, all of that, like I spoke about at the start of the episode. And I want you to look at December a little bit differently. December is, for me, has been recently, the month to regroup reassess and re-decide what it is that I'm going to be doing moving forward, okay? It's a whole lot of soft action. I'm going to be talking about soft action versus bold action, which I've got a whole episode on, but I'm going to refresh what that means. It's a whole lot of insight into your year. It's your spring clean 
mentally and physically. It's your opportunity to streamline and to get rid of anything you want to get rid of. And it's also a great time to prepare and to set yourself up for the next phase of what it is that you want to do. Okay. Now, I am the first person to say that you don't have to wait until you know, the 1st of January or, you know, for a New Year's resolution or a birthday resolution or until Monday or until the next day starts, you definitely don't have to wait for that. However, I also, acknowledging that you don't need that to begin, you should be able to want to begin at any time of the year. I also do acknowledge that New Year's resolutions and the end of the year slash start of the year is actually a brilliant time to also be setting the tone for the new chapter of your life. And the reason for this is because a lot of people are doing it at the same time, okay? So if you've ever run or been involved in a fun run or a half marathon or a marathon or whatever, you would know that there's something different about running in a group of people, especially a huge group of people versus running alone. And when I run, when I'm going to do a run, I factor into my training that I'm going to do a lot better just because there's thousands of people or hundreds of people around me. There's this collective effervescence when you're around people who are working towards the same goal. So I think that it would be a shame not to maximize this time where there's a lot of people using this part of the year where it's coming to a close, everyone's partying, celebrating, whatever, and then it's the start of a fresh year. Use it to your advantage. I don't think, you know, because a lot of people are like, oh, it's ridiculous, New Year's resolutions and shit. They're great. Any opportunity, whether it be New Year's, whether it be any time of the year, where you think this is a reset for me, seize it, okay? And I think that the end of the year slash start of the year is a great opportunity for anybody that enjoys maximizing that time to start setting new goals or to start, you know, reassessing what they're doing with their time or with their life because there's so many other people doing it. It feels different. It just does. And if you're a runner, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. So let's talk about what this month is going to look like, or better yet, how you want to feel at the end of the month, looking back, thinking, wow, it's now the 31st. I can look back on that last 30 days and feel like I did something with those 30 days that I've never really done before. I've maximized that time and I am so pumped for what's to come. That's kind of going to be the headspace that I aim to get you in, in the next 30, 31 days. Okay. Now, The first thing, we're going to break it down into categories. These categories are reflect, clear space, determine new commitments, determine the outcome and action. Okay. We're going to break those five points down in this episode. So the first one is reflect. Number one, and these are questions that you can write yourself. If you want, you can like quickly go through this episode, bang, 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 write them all down. And then in your own time, given that it is like your regroups part of the year, I would love for you to journal this, write it all down or type it out, have it in front of you for the next 31 days. Okay. Get clear. I just love this shit so much. And physically writing it down is not only very therapeutic, but I feel personally that because it takes longer and you're using more than what you were typing, it almost like solidifies more in your head. But anyway, the first point, reflect. Number one, ask yourself, what am I not taking into the new year? So this could be all sorts of things. This could be a bad habit. This could be a job that you're like, I've been wanting to quit this job forever. Do I just do it now? This could be a relationship in your life that you're like, why do I keep hanging out with these people? I just don't get anything out of it. I actually feel 
worse after seeing these people? Is it maybe the intensity of a relationship? Like I need to distance myself from this particular family member and maybe this is the year that I create some serious boundaries. Is it an attitude that you have? I'm done with this attitude. It's not serving me at all. Is it whatever? Okay. But ask yourself, what am I not taking into the new year. So this is all about looking at what your years looked like, reflecting back and say, what didn't work for me? Okay. Then I want you to ask yourself, number two is what will I do differently next year when these things crop up? Okay. So, and what I mean by this is another way of putting it is kind of what goals have I tried repeatedly and not done And what is my pattern of failure or what is my pattern of disruption? And I think it's really, really good to look back on that because a lot of the time, the reason you don't succeed at something or the reason you quote unquote fail repeatedly at something is not because you are innately a failure. It's probably because the way that goal has been structured does not work for you or it's really difficult for you to adhere to that particular structure. But if it was structured differently, maybe maybe you would adhere better. And so a lot of people will try something, fail, try it again, fail, try it again. And then they're like, for fuck's sake, I'm a failure. But I would argue that point a lot. I would say, you're not structuring your goals in a way that's working for you. Because the best goals, the best challenges that you set yourself are the ones that you adhere to. Okay. So let's take waking up early as an example you've set this goal that you want to get up early because you want to exercise in the morning instead of the afternoon, for example, and you try and do it. And then every single time you end up sleeping in, every time you end up sleeping in. So what's going on here? What aren't you changing? Are you setting the same time every morning? Are you not changing your nighttime routine at all? Are you under rested and you're expecting all these things of you when you're really just not resting your body properly yet you're expecting yourself to wake up? Like, are you looking at what are the causes behind me not adhering or not succeeding to this thing. Or another thing that you could do is if you're someone that's like, I'm going to exercise every day and I'm exercising in the afternoon. When it gets to the afternoon, a lot of people, if you're someone that's great at routine and and you just love to exercise, fine. But if you're someone that doesn't like exercising, by the time it gets to the afternoon, you're going to be like, fuck that right off. I'm exhausted. I've just been at work all day. I've just, and you come up with all these really, what feel like really valid reasons as to why you're not going to do it today. So I used to, for me, my thing was while I enjoy exercising, I am always up to hang out with people and I'm, I'm quite social. And even Tyrone and I were quite spontaneous with our afternoons. So when I would work out in the afternoon, I'd really struggle to adhere to that on a consistent basis, even though I loved it, because I'm just, the likelihood of me being invited by my friends to do something or by Tyrone or the likelihood of me going to something in the afternoon is really high. So I thought, okay, I'm always going to be like, oh, but this came up, this thing came up, this thing came up. So I'm like, all right, well, I've told myself, I've displayed, I've demonstrated to myself that I'm not capable of doing that. So given that I've demonstrated to myself time and time and time and time and time again, that I'm not consistent in the afternoons, I now have to exercise in the morning. And then if I want to exercise in the afternoon or do something else or extra in the afternoon, I go ahead and do it. But that way I've got it concrete in the morning or the the times of the week that I do train and it's a non-negotiable because I know that I don't adhere in the afternoon on a regular basis. So ask yourself, what for me have I seen, you know, repeated failures in that I still want to achieve 
And how am I going to do it differently next time? And we're looking back at this year specifically. I mean, you can look back at your whole life, but let's look at the last 12 months, the last 11 months kind of thing. And then lastly, for the reflex thing is what am I over or what have I outgrown? Because this is a little bit different to what am I, what am I not taking into the new year? This could be more so it's not necessarily something toxic or something unhealthy or something that's not working for you. But sometimes we find ourselves staying in a situation in our life that we are afraid to leave because it's comfortable. And this could be like, I love my job. I'm really comfortable. I just don't want to leave. But deep down, your biggest dream is to have this role that's maybe three rungs higher up. So you've got this conflict between where you are right now because it's really comfortable and enjoyable, but this deep desire to achieve these heights in your career. And something's got to give. You either stay where you are and it's comfortable and you enjoy it, but possibly regret not pushing it further, or you have the discomfort now and break through it and push and try and get that harder job and, and you know be uncomfortable, have to meet new people, that kind of thing. So maybe you've outgrown that, but you're not willing to admit it. Maybe you've outgrown a certain relationship. Maybe you've outgrown, you know, the house that you're living in or, you know, the environment that you're in. And that's something that you can look at that you don't have to end straight away, but it's something that you can acknowledge as like maybe over the next 12 months, this is something I could be looking at as to what's my evolution going to be in this, in this particular area of my life. Okay. So that's reflect. The next category is clear space. I can't bang on about how important this is. When there is physical clutter, there is clutter in the mind. That is just how it is, okay? When there is shit everywhere, there is shit going on in the mind. Why do you think hoarders hoard? Do you think they just like having shit everywhere? No. Hoarding is a legitimate mental condition, okay? Because there's a lot going on in this person's mind. There is a lot that they are dealing with or not dealing with that's going on in their mind. And then it is causing this behavior right? So when you start to clear things, physical things, you start to feel clearer in the mind. And when I say physical things, I also mean things like your emails, your files on your computer, shit in your phone, apps that you don't use. Clear, 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 streamline your things and your possessions. Ask yourself, am I done with this thing? Does this thing enrich my life? Is there any need for this thing? And have an answer for every single one of those three things. Okay. Then, so possessions is a big one, clothing, stuff, whatever. And then of course, number two, streamline your life admin, go through your subscriptions, your inboxes, everything that you need to do to think, okay, what, what can I ease my mental? How can I ease my mental load? Is there a better way of structuring things so things aren't sitting in my subconscious thinking, oh, I better not forget that? Is there a better way of having things written down so I don't forget shit anymore? So it's like it's there. I don't have to be holding it in my head. I can take the weight off and put it somewhere else that it's easier for me. And I personally am the number one, like I'm the biggest candidate to talk about this because I am by nature, I'm not the most organized person. So I have to actively really, really try to be organized. And the times that I do that, I, it really eases the mental load and I'm a lot happier and a lot more peaceful. And I can really enjoy my spare time instead of thinking, oh, what are those thousand things that I have to remember that I've got to do? So a really good way of streamlining, streamlining your life admin is to write down absolutely everything that it is that you need to do and think, how can I, how can I make this easier? Okay. The next one, number three, what can you do to feel lighter? 
So is there something that you would like to stop doing altogether? Is there something that you're ready to quit? Is there something that you want to start doing that's going to help you clear space? Like, are you, for example, for me, it's like one thing that, and I'll be dead honest with you, I've stopped doing it in probably the last month and I'm going to start doing it again with you guys today on the first. But one thing that I stopped doing, but was so good for me was I would dedicate 10 minutes in the morning and around 10 to 15 minutes in the evening to quickly tidy up. I wouldn't put anything back into the wardrobe unless it was folded. Like I, you know, the wardrobe was always tidy because I just dedicated those few minutes. I would make sure that everything was away in the kitchen. And those tiny 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there were amazing. And then ever since I got back from Bali, it's been a bit like a shit show and I didn't return to it. I'm returning to that now because I know what it does to me. And that works in my clear space category. So is there anything that you could do that you think, wow, if I just did 10 minutes of that, what would my life look like? What would my year look like? if it was just that, just that simple, tiny task. Okay. Um, All right. So that's reflect and clear space. Then we're going to go into determine new commitments. There's five points in this one. So number one, ask yourself, this is a really fun one to do. Who do I want to spend more time with next year? Is there a friend that you're like, oh my God, I wish we got to hang out more often. Is it a sibling? Is it who? It could even be your own partner. And I want you to message that person right now. Be intentional and tell them. Next year, I refuse to only see you, you know, once every six months. I really want to start hanging out with you on a more regular basis because of these reasons, because I feel so empowered when I'm around you. You have this effect on people, but tell them, right? It feels really good when you do that. And it kind of gears you up to be more likely to invite this person to do more things in the new year. So that's the first one. Second one, what is something new, new that I want to do for myself in this coming year? So this could be something that's got to do with self-care, self-love, a new hobby, being outdoors more, um, you know, spending more time just being completely alone, starting something that maybe you've always thought about starting for a really long time, whether it be a hobby or whatever. What is that one new thing you want to do for yourself? So this has to be completely selfish. It can't have to do with anyone else, unless it's like I want to join a futsal team. That also fits into the category, even though you're in a team, but it's got to be for you, okay? If you're doing something that's with the family, for the family, that's in a separate, you can do that in a separate category. Number three, what is something that I can improve on that I have not been putting effort into lately? So this could be your relationship. It could be your health. It could be your habits, your effort at work. Maybe you're someone who's kind of scraping by at something that you know deep down you could be doing so much better at. You know how you're like, oh, well, I'm good enough at this. I don't really need to improve. But then if you were to think, well, what could my life be like if I actually put in effort? If I'm good just by cruising, imagine I could be great if I really tried to level up. And it's not just professionally in anything. So what is that? What could that thing be? Okay. And then another thing that I want you to ask yourself is what is something that I could have done, but I'm not doing it. So I'm going to give you a great example. I'm going to give you a personal example. And this is one thing that you are going to see me do. And I know I say to people, don't talk about it until it's done um, or until you're already doing it. But I really want to share this example with you because I think it's a great one. So one thing that I've really been wanting to do a lot more of with my 
podcast and whatever, is to share snippets of like brain facts and psychology facts on my social media. I used to do it before the podcast started. Before I even started the podcast, I'd do it on my Instagram stories. And I loved doing it. I loved doing it. A lot of, you know, people that would follow me enjoyed them. They would engage with it. And it was just something I really liked. And then I started the podcast and I was doing a bit of, you know, more chatting, more spontaneous stuff on my stories and whatever. And then I kind of stopped. I just got busy or I got whatever, all these excuses, whatever. But I've been saying for probably the last year now, I'm going to start doing TikToks and Instagram videos of me talking about these facts that I talk on the podcast. So that way people can find these shorter form snippets of content, but also find it on the podcast as well. So I've been talking to Shania, my assistant. I've been talking to Maddie, my manager. I'm t- I've been saying it again and again and again and again and again and not doing it. And then I stumble across accounts neuroscientists and people, you know, in the field that are doing that. And I'm like, I could be doing that. There's nothing stopping me from doing that. It's purely just, I don't have the momentum. The only thing that's making it difficult is the lack of momentum. To get something starting to move is a lot harder than when something's already moving and you just roll with it. So sometimes we look at other people thinking, I could have done that or I could be doing that, but you're not doing it. Why? Well, only you can answer that. And for me, I know it's purely, could I carve out the time? Yes, I could. Do I have the skills to speak on camera? Yes, I do. Can I, do I have the skills to talk about these topics? Yes. So what is stopping me? It's purely, I dropped the ball of momentum and then I've prioritized other things before it. And I'm talk, 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 I'm going to start, I'm going to start, I'm going to start, and I don't end up doing it. So that is one thing that I'm absolutely going to be doing and you're going to see it, but I'm going to be doing these videos, especially in the new year. Okay. And it's purely something for me that I need to do because I've been saying, you know, I could do that. That could be me. I could have been doing that. And I just haven't done it. And there's nothing more frustrating, especially with myself than to hear myself say, I could have done it when it's like, well, you didn't. So too bad. So sad. Now, the next thing is number five is ask yourself, what do I need to put into place for these things to happen? As far as prioritizing time, can you prioritize something more? Can you book something in? Say you want to start a course. Say one of your answers to that was start a course. Book it in before the end of the year. Um, Pay for it or pay the first installment before the end of the year. Um, Purchase the necessary equipment for you to be able to start doing that thing. Start sacrificing things already in order for you to be able to do that thing. Like if, if, you know, time-wise, can I get rid of something and start doing something else? So... Yeah, that's number five. Now we're into the next section, which is determine the outcome. This is the second last section. I want you to sit down and ask yourself, what and how do I want to feel by the end of the year? Do I want to feel calm and streamlined and organized and peaceful at mind where there's nothing hanging in the back of my head of like, oh, don't forget that thing I've got to do, where I just feel relaxed and organized? Do I want to feel in the zone and motivated? What do you want to reflect back on by the time the 31st rolls around? What do you want to look back on and think, I'm so glad that I did that thing or that I started that thing? And this is going to give you a really good indication of what is your main priority for the rest of the year. Okay. So for me, this year, again, this was also my goal last year, which I did to an extent, but I'm going to improve on it, is to be organized. And if I can look back on the 31st and be like, holy shit, 
I like, I really streamlined my shit. I went through all my email inboxes. I did all of that. I feel really good. I've got a clean slate. Then I'll be thrilled. Other years I would have been like, I've got to get all this shit ready and whatever, which is true. I'm still doing work on the side. But for me, the ultimate feeling would be like, if I feel like I've got a clean streamlined slate to start the year, I'll be absolutely pumped. That's my personal one. So ask yourself, you know, what is that thing going to be? And there's, it's going to be different for everyone, but ideally identify like may, maybe the, the main one, two or three things. Okay. Now the fun bit, we're moving into action. So what are the key things that you need to do in order to feel this way by the end of the year or in order to feel ready for next year? So what are the key things? And we've already kind of, you've already kind of wrapped your head around it. You've already gone through what is the main things that you want to change, what you don't want to bring in, what blah, 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 blah. But now write them down. What are those key things that you need to do in order to have it? Because we've determined what we want to have. What do you have to do now? The next question you've got to ask yourself is, is this a milestone goal or is it a lifestyle goal? Because a milestone goal is something that you have to do once in a blue moon that requires additional effort or time or both. And it's something that's just not done that often, but once it's done, it's done for a while or it's done forever, like a degree or like, you know, the whole bunch of different milestone goals versus the lifestyle goal. A lifestyle goal is, you know, the one I always use as an example is weight loss. I don't think it's good for you to look at like an event and then think I'm going to shred and drink water and have nothing else for until I get to that event. And then what? The event ends and you're like, oh my God, I can't handle that lifestyle anymore. That was torture. That was horrible. Then you go back to your old ways and then you think, oh my God, I'm a failure because I've gained all the weight again. Well, no, you're not at all. And it was just, you were setting yourself up for this really unpleasant experience. And then of course, when it ended, you went back to your old ways. So lifestyle or milestone. So when I was talking about streamlining and whatever, what I did last year is I had a milestone goal of doing a spring clean to my entire home, uh, which I did. And that was great. And I put aside, I think it was two full days that I put aside. I think it was even, I'm pretty sure it was over a weekend. And I thought, I know I like to rest on weekends, but if I can spend these two days by the end of the weekend, I'm going to feel like better than if I had rested. So I dedicated two days just to spring cleaning everything. I went through every wardrobe, every shelf, every cupboard, every folder. I did everything. And of course, by the end of the two days, I was, yeah, I was a bit exhausted, but wow, I felt good. I felt so fresh and ready to go. And that, so that was my milestone goal. Obviously, that's not something that you can realistically do all the time, nor do you need to do it all the time. But if it's a lifestyle goal, like a new habit that you want to put into place or, or a habit that you want to quit, that's going to be structured differently. So it's important to know what kind of goal it is. Now, realistically write down, number three, realistically write down how many hours you believe it will take you to do that thing. So if it's a milestone goal, for me, let's say the the spring cleaning took a total of, let's say 15 hours, it was probably less, and I did it over a weekend. If it's something that you're like, no, I'm going to quit something, then it might not necessarily be time dedicated, but then you've got to think when I normally would do that habit, what can I do instead? So I'm not feeling that there's this void and I have to go and vape or smoke or whatever. But then if it's something like I want to start, you know, going to this particular sporting thing or, you know, going outside more often in the mornings, or I want to start studying this thing or learning this thing or working on this skill, whatever. How much time do you need to dedicate on a weekly or daily basis? So by the end of the year, you could feel that feeling that you're wanting to feel. 
the one that I said determine the outcome. How do you want to feel by the end of the year? How many hours will it take you to achieve that feeling by the end of the year? Okay. And so if it's something that, oh, by the end of the year, I already want to be, you know, dedicating two hours a week to learning how to draw on my Procreate app on the iPad. Lol, that's one of my goals. Um, Cool. Two hours. How can I carve out time throughout my week for these two hours? And you've got to ask yourself, you know, looking at my existing timetable, does it work? Because it's really fun and exciting to sit down and come up with all these goals. But if it's not going to fit into your timetable, it's never going to happen. And then you're going to be like, oh my God, I'm such a failure. I always set the same goals. No, you just didn't look at your timetable. You've got to see where does time exist for me to slot this in or where do I need to make time? Okay. Because there's always a way to do something if you prioritize it. Yes, there are some people that have more time available to dedicate to things than others. And there are some people that have less responsibilities than you might have. That is all true. But within reason, everybody can carve out time for something that they prioritize. If something's not a priority and you've got 10 things above it that's on your priority list, it might not be possible to be carving out time for that thing because it's not really a priority. When you bump it up to the top of the list, it is one of the first things you tackle. Okay. So you've got to ask yourself, how can I carve out time for this thing? And for most people, most people, it's something so simple as spending less time on devices. Really, we do have way more time than we give ourselves credit for. Then number five, ask yourself, how can I ensure that I actually do this thing? So if it's something that is quite difficult already to do and you're giving yourself two-hour time blocks in a row to do it, right now, do you think that's going to be remotely pleasant or enjoyable or is it going to be absolutely torture or is it going to be a mix of the two? If you can already look at that task being like, this is something that I know I'll procrastinate on because it looks so unpleasant, then probably edit it, edit it down, maybe dedicate a bit less time so it's more achievable. How can I make it more into bite-sized pieces so I'm more likely to do it? If it's something that you're super pumped about and super excited about, you probably don't even have to start. You don't have to worry about that question. Then the next one is when am I starting and why have I selected this day to start and why not today? There might be a really good reason why it's not today, maybe because what you've enrolled in doesn't start today. Maybe it starts in January, whatever, but ask yourself, why not today? Give yourself a legitimate reason. And then when am I starting? Write it down. And then Lastly, just remember, don't worry too much about setting the bar so high, okay? The goals to begin with don't have to be so big, but your commitment to the goal does have to be big, okay? I want you to feel like when you're, it's like you're building a muscle within you. When you're consistently hitting small goals time and time and time again, hitting the goal, hitting the goal, hitting the goal, you create a reputation for yourself, inside yourself being like, I'm someone that follows through when they say they're going to do something. So then when you look at a slightly bigger goal, you're like, well, I've already got a track record of following through, so I'm going to do that thing. So basically when it comes to setting goals, don't be afraid to start small and then expand, okay? Don't be like, oh, it's not big enough. It doesn't matter. If I can prove to myself that this is done, then it's fucking done. Now, before I get into the the listener question, I mentioned something at the start of the episode, and that was about soft action, December being a month of a lot of soft action. What is soft action? So that of that whole episode on soft action versus bold action, which I've got. But basically bold action 
is the kind of action where you're actually doing the thing. It's the things that we normally would procrastinate the most on. Um, and like, for example, rocking up to do the actual job, actually streamlining the possessions, physically doing that task, actually getting to the gym and doing that thing, cooking the meal, things like that. Soft action is action that is still very helpful, but it's something that you, A, probably enjoy doing a lot more and B, is kind of like the smaller tasks surrounding that big major task that you want to do. So an example of this would be if you are like, okay, I've got to move houses. Soft action is scrolling through all the listings and kind of looking at this, looking at that, that's semi-enjoyable. It's kind of, well, I love looking at listings and it's, you know, it's fun. You imagine yourself here, there, that's not the hard thing. Going to the inspections, that's annoying. That's hard action, okay, or bold action. Just looking at things online, that's easier. In When I talk about coming up with ideas for your new year and for your new life, it's a great time to really lean into all this soft action because this is where brainstorming comes in. This is where creativity flows. This is where, because you're not doing all the hard stuff, this is where you can get really creative and get really excited and just ideas dump. This is where you can do your vision board, your Pinterest board. So I think that it's important to always have a nice balance of the two kinds of actions because soft action is what I think helps inspire um, motivation or helps inspire, you know, just yourself to put you in a positive mindset or into like a, a, an optimistic mindset to then be able to follow through with that hard action. I think when you only do hard action, bold action, hard action, bold action, then a lot of creativity potentially goes out the window. So I think it's good to do a, a a balance of the both. And December is great for soft action because it's like, this is all the plans and all the dreams that I have for the year that's coming up. Okay. So I find soft action very, very fun to do. And you can sit in it. You're sitting in your creativity. You're sitting in a really comfortable, non-threatening position. And it feels very like it gets you really pumped for what's to come. Cool. So that is our journey, what you guys and I are going to do over the next 31 days. So I'm pretty pumped. And if you want to share on the Facebook uh, group what your answers for all of that are, then please do. So remember the five things that we covered were reflect, clear space, determine new commitments, determine the outcome, and lastly, action. Okay. Now it's time for the listener question. You have one unheard message. Hi, I've just gotten back from living and traveling overseas. I was so excited to come back and get into routine and earn money, lol, and see all my friends. But now that I'm back, I just feel so disconnected from my life. Like I have no direction or purpose or passion. For context, I've always been incredibly driven and goal motivated and I wanted to move away from that and become more present and go with the flow. I felt that I've gone too much the other way now. I did get sick with glandular fever, rhinovirus and a bacterial infection when I got back that just knocked me. I'm working a job that is sick money and great for my career, but I have no motivation for it and my manager sucks and I feel super disconnected from my friends. I also feel so much pressure from from people coming home. Suddenly I hate my body and I think that I need to lose weight. I'm anxious. I don't have a partner and everyone keeps telling me I'm scaring men away with how upfront I am and saying that I need to be chill and let them chase me rather than calling them out when they kind of suck, saying my standards are too high, etc. I just feel like my life has suddenly become a bunch of checkboxes. It's almost like I've come back to my old life and I don't fit in anymore. But 
then I also don't know what to do. P.S. Up and leaving is not an option because I'm broke as fuck right now and I've spent it all on traveling. So I'm on the saving train again. Please help. I don't want to struggle to get out of bed anymore. Okay. Thank you so much for writing in and being vulnerable and explaining your position. Okay. Firstly, I want you to really acknowledge that the feeling that you have coming back home and feeling out of place is very normal. And the reason for that is that you have gone from this location, which was at the time stimulating enough, probably not that much because you wanted to leave, but it was stimulating enough. It was what you knew. Then you go and travel and you experience so much. And normally when you're traveling, even mundane, mundane days, in hindsight, you look back and you're like, wow, there was so much that was going on and there was so much that I was experiencing. I mean, this new city, new country, new this. New blah, 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 blah. It's really not only experience-wise is it enriching, but it's also an opportunity where you grow a lot and you also learn a lot about yourself. So you then come back where the people are the same people. It's not a bad thing, but it's the same people. It's the same town or city. It's the same street. It's the same. Everything's the same right? And it feels like in your head, you've taken a step back when you haven't, you've just returned to the same location. But initially when you come home, you get the blues. It's really, really, I think it's called traveler's blues or something, but it's a thing. And people get flat and sad when they return home. It's happened to me. Not every time that I traveled, but definitely after one of the times I traveled, I definitely felt a bit flat and unsure and didn't know. And then I actually went traveling again after that. Cause I was like, ah, what am I doing? But it's this, it's this adjustment period. Now you made a really interesting comment on here that I want to circle back to, because you said for context, I've always been incredibly driven and goal motivated. And I wanted to move away from that and become more with the flow. And then you say, I feel I've gone too much the other way now. I feel like you haven't gone too much the other way because like you're still really driven and goal motivated. You just haven't found your thing. And I think it's good to find the balance between the two, obviously, but I don't think you've gone too far one way because if that was the case, you would come back and be like, I'm not phased about, you know, you know, not being passionate about my career or not doing this or not doing that. My answer to you is I definitely don't think you have to go back overseas again because it gets to a point where you're like, at some point I have to start my life. And if I'm just, every time I feel this way, I go back, then I'm really not addressing these feelings. Okay. So my, my, the main answer is I wouldn't be focusing on dating, not at all. I would be focusing completely on my relationship with myself for the first few months, okay? And you've got to ask yourself, outside of career, outside of dating, what is something that I can do to start feeling more empowered? Where is one area of my life that I can start to show improvement or growth in that I can then be able to be like, wow, I've achieved something. Wow, I'm growing at something. And it doesn't have to be money related. It doesn't have to be something that other people deem as successful. Something that you yourself think, God, if I learned that skill or if I got better at doing this thing or if I became whatever, how would I feel about myself? A lot of the time when we go through these internal struggles, it's because we feel a void inside ourselves and we're trying to fill that void, but nothing's really filling it because we're trying to find external things to fill it. You might, might be trying to find someone that you're dating or, you know, you're trying to 
get that void from your friendship group but you're feeling like, ah, oh, it's just not clicking because I've just had this massive experience and no one's understanding how I'm feeling and I'm not really clicking with them anymore. It, it, it is a really weird time. So when you come back to not really sink into these feelings of the blues after traveling, you've got to think, I'm still on a, on a journey of growth. And when I've come back, that journey of growth has, has stagnated. And that's why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Because when you're traveling, you're constantly growing. It's just a whole experience of new adventures, learning about you, learning about other people, just learning whether it feels like it or not. The moment you come back, it feels like that growth has kind of been stunted. So all you need to do is think, what can I do for me right now to start working on my own personal growth? What is some kind of goal that I can set into place? What's something that I can do that makes me feel like I have a reason to get up every morning because I really want to achieve this thing for myself? It could be a physical goal. It could be a mental goal. It could be a whatever, but it's got to be something that's also connecting you to your own body or mind, you know? So that's why I don't think it should be like a financial goal. Like I want to save this amount of money because that's not very, I wouldn't, I don't think it's, very inspiring for the soul to do that. Okay. Um, while I'm all for making as much money as you want, I feel like when it comes to improving your relationship with yourself, you want to have like a goal as far as like, I want to run half a marathon and I'm going to do it in six months. And this is going to be my thing, or I'm going to learn this fucking language or instrument, or I'm going to do this part-time course that I've always wanted to do, or despite this career that I'm making a lot of money in and that I like, I've always wanted to study fashion on the side. And maybe I'm just going to do that. Who cares what anyone says? What is something that you can do that's just for you that makes you feel like you are continuing your journey of growth? Because right now, what I'm getting from your letter is that you feel stagnant as fuck. And I would focus on myself, my relationship with myself, and growth, 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 growth. And if you can do that growth outside of career, better, especially when you're in this position because you don't want to meddle or mingle the two things together because sometimes when you, when you talk about your finances and your career that's supporting your lifestyle and you try and mix that with passion and growth, sometimes it can get a bit messy. Some people do it seamlessly, but I would recommend trying to separate it to start with. Hopefully that helped. Love that you went on that traveling experience and you're definitely not alone. Look it up. It's called, I think it's called Traveler's Blues, something along those lines. And a lot of people do experience it. So, um, yeah, fuck. I, I know how you feel so, Yeah, with some of the things that you said. So just hang tight and don't worry about all these check boxes and stuff. Just say I'm, it's obviously in me to want adventure. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gone on this traveling experience how can i experience adventure in my own life right now guys thank you so much for listening to the episode today hopefully you enjoyed that and yeah let's let's do something on the facebook group together regarding the next 31 days because i'm pumped and i'm going to be doing a lot of streamlining as well and starting those like tiktok and ig videos anyway love you guys so much as always remember be kind to yourself be kind to your brain don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself danke Listener.